When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mallow. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and I'm here with my co-host Max Mallow and we're super excited to be talking about the Fear Street trilogy on Netflix. We already interviewed one of the stars of the first and the third movie, Jeremy Ford, and now we've seen the first movie and we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, really excited to go over this movie and to to cover the whole trilogy over the next three weeks. If you guys haven't listened to the interview with Jeremy, go check it out. It was two weeks ago. Really insightful. It gives a lot of listeners uh, a preview of what to expect from the film, more so than the trailers that have dropped so far. And... Overall, I'd say we we liked this movie. I think Natalie liked it more than me. Um, And that's not to say I hated it, but there's definitely some problems with it that I'm going to kind of like nitpick. There's not too much, but I I think overall, if this movie wasn't part of a a trilogy that's coming out over the next three weeks, and like Mm -hmm. this movie left me either as a standalone or a sequel was being developed that was going to come out in a year or so, I'd be like, man... There's a lot more they could have done, but I'm glad that it's going to be picked up already, and we'll have the next movie to review next week. Um, but the you know the pace it's a very fast movie. The movie doesn't yeah. slow down at all, and it's also a long movie. It's like an hour and fifty, so there's a, a lot to go over. But really excited to talk about it, and of course everybody knows before we can do that, we have to do our weekly horror news roundup where Natalie has covered everything you need to know from the internet when it comes to horror and horror adjacent. Now, the first piece of news obviously is very sad because for those who are longtime listeners of the podcast, you would know that One Good Scare came out of the Lovecraft Country podcast that Natalie ran on Fansided. And sad news, it is not getting picked up for a second season. Yeah, which is kind of surprising. So the first season is an adaptation of a book. So of course, people were thinking, you know, what else could they do type of thing. But Misha Green, the showrunner, had plans for the second season and was already kind of in the writing room getting it all together. So the fact that, you know, she was super hopeful to to get it going is definitely really surprising that it's canceled. Um, so, yeah, I'm sad. I The first season wasn't perfect, but it was very enjoyable. I liked it. It was entertaining. Um, so... I'm sad. I was I was hoping that they could do something more and the actors in the show are so good that I just want to see all of them together again in some form of TV. Yeah, obviously Journey Smollett, um she was in True Blood. If yeah. I she was uh san- like love interest for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, she was like a minor character, but she was memorable for sure. Right, and uh, and Jonathan Majors, obviously, they had a, a huge part in, in the show's popularity, and it was really popular for its, uh, its uh, like, 
genre blending. There's a lot of horror, a lot of sci-fi, some drama mixed in as well. And then, of course, the social commentary that was talked on on top of it um, really got that show off the ground and made it really popular. And it's unfortunate that it's not getting renewed for a second season. And it's important, obviously, that like we know how we now have this like clarification because mm-hmm. with this and Watchmen, people were like, "Oh, let's get a second season of Watchmen," um, which came out before Lovecraft Country, and that's not getting a second season because it's kind of been established as its own miniseries and its own take mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the Watchmen universe, which like sucks. I understand it. I loved that show. I really wanted more content, and the the whole idea of the show was very. Uh, unique and and a good follow-up to the the source material obviously damon lindelof is great at that and you know fans were wondering is lovecraft country going to be just like a one-off series like season is that going to be the whole thing with the with some hbo max series and hbo series that are coming out now but no it, it was potentially going to be more seasons and it sucks that it's not getting renewed so i guess Maybe the internet will try to do its thing, and hashtag Save Lovecraft Country will will start to trend, and um, maybe that that changes the tides on this show. But that sucks. Netflix will pick it up. They're already like betting how much they can spend on it. I I feel like I feel like if Netflix came with that much money to HBO, and we're like, hey, we'll take this off you. Like, we want to do this. HBO might be like, actually, you know what? If, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll 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 change our minds. We'll do it. Um, but yeah, that sucks. Um, you know, I, I still need to watch the first season. Um, but of course, I know you loved it. The whole like mm-hmm. this podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for that show. So um, yeah, sad news for fans of Lovecraft Country. But getting on to uh, some more uplifting news, um, I guess for some uh, people might be upset <laughs> about this. Uh, Zack Snyder is directing a sci-fi movie, and first off, I'm like, great. Um, <laughs> But it's it's inspired by Star Wars, and it's titled Rebel Moon, coming out on Netflix. Now, obviously, Zack Snyder is, like, one of the most polarizing directors in Hollywood. You either love him or you hate him, or you can't, like, help but criticize all of his movies <laughs> when they come out. Um, and he's now all over the place. Obviously, his DC movies, The Justice League, was a huge moment in streaming services uh and that was i mean zsj is a whole thing army of the dead we reviewed i wanted to love that movie there's <laughs> so many things that kept me from loving it um and now he's do- he's doing sci-fi so give us the lowdown on on what this is all about yeah so according to this article who um reported the news the hollywood reporter they're saying that this movie actually was a star wars pitch from Zack Snyder uh, a decade ago. So I'm like, interesting. I wonder how similar it's going to be to Star Wars. I'm assuming just because of, you know, what he's done, the work he's done, it's not going to be a a PG rated movie where that's kind of how the Star Wars movies have come, especially with Disney, you know, they're more for family and everything like that. So I highly doubt this is going to be for family. Um, So I'm very curious. Um, and it looks like Rebel Moon will start production in early 2022. So we'll see. Very interesting. Yeah, that that Netflix Zack Snyder partnership is yeah. is really uh, growing. I mean, obviously he's got that the the Army of the Dead universe he's kind of building through the the prequel and the animated series. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this was pitched as a Star Wars movie 
is super interesting because this would be 2011. The remake trilogy hadn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was being worked on, but yeah, uh, we didn't know about Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and, and Rise of Skywalker. And now people are obsessed with Star Wars again because Disney Plus has done a great job with The Mandalorian. And I hear The Bad Batch is really, really good too. So, of course, if it's close enough to horror, Jason, <laughs> we'll review it when it comes out. But this movie probably isn't coming out for like another two years. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye out on any news when it comes to Zack Snyder's Star Wars-esque sci-fi adventure. <laughs> Uh, and then the final piece, which is really exciting news um, for both of us and for uh, horror fans, is that Scream uh, 5 Cream, Scream 5, uh, <laughs> is complete. It is ready to go. Uh, it is coming to theaters on January 14th. Uh, the directors, Matt Bettinelli-Olpin and Tyler Gillette. Oh, I, I'm assuming Gillette, like the like the, the shaving the company. <laughs> yeah. um, they both announced that uh, it is complete. So excited for all of you to see it. And... Now we have some interesting cast news for those who haven't kind of been keeping up with the production of the Scream sequel. Dylan Minnette, everybody should know Dylan Minnette from 13 Reasons Why, uh, Don't Breathe. What else? Grey's Anatomy when he was a child. Yes. Uh, Jack Jack's son in the alternate universe and Lost. Uh, that might be a major spoiler. Oops. If you, if you haven't seen Lost, go watch it. I watched it in quarantine. It's the best thing ever. Um, so Dylan Minnette, Mason Gooding, Kyle Gallner, uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mikey Madison uh, are the new names joining the ensemble of our classic characters. Nev Campbell, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, uh, Jack Quaid, Melissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, and Marley Shelton, who people should know as the deputy Judy Hicks from Scream 4. So very cool that they're keeping some characters from that movie. Obviously, we all wanted to know what happened with Hayden Panettiere's character at the end of Scream 4 because people thought she might have lived and mm. it would have been cool as maybe a future ghost face. If that's the reveal, like, that kind of be silly. But mm-hmm. it's a Scream movie. I'm super excited. Um, and January 14th, 2022. I, like, let's just get through this year already. This year's going okay. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we're opening up vaccines, stuff like that. I've been to a ton of baseball games. That's been cool. High five and random people. That would <laughs> not be a thing a year ago. Um, but uh, yeah, are you uh, are you excited for Screen 5? Yes, I'm very, very excited. I wasn't really a big fan of the fourth one, but, you know, I'm a big fan of the franchise. So I'm excited to see what they do. Of course. And yeah, I mean... It's fitting that there was some scream news for this episode because Fear Street mm-hmm. Part One, nineteen ninety four, definitely has some uh, homage to pay to Scream, uh, especially in the opening scene when we get into our review. And um, yeah, we can kind of segue into that now. So, Fear Street, for those who don't know or didn't check out our interview with Jeremy Ford, uh, is a Netflix trilogy film series being produced uh, starting last Friday, which was July second. Yes. Uh, and then, thank you. Uh, and then the second one comes out today, July 9th. And the third one comes out on July 16th. Or no. Yes. Yeah. I can't do math. Well, because uh, we're obviously we have to, we're an episode after. Mm-hmm. So, oh, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's the 16th. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Friday, I, Friday, Friday. <laughs> right. We, ha- we, ha- we have to record a podcast, watch the movie, and then, re- and then record our review of it. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it's uh, based on the the same book series um, by R.L. Stein, who obviously Goosebumps, Fear Street, everybody uh, should know that from when they were kids, and it's not like it draws from any specific book in the Fear Street series. It, it's uh, very much a uh, its own story, and it spans across three movies, talking about a uh, a curse, I guess, um, mm-hmm. that has plagued this town of Shadyside, Ohio, which is right next to Sunnyvale, Ohio, and um, this this first one is all about slashers. It's an um, an homage to the 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 slasher genre. Yeah, definitely. And I love the '90s vibe and the screen vibe. So I was into it right right from the start. So I guess we can jump in and talk about the opening scene because I honestly loved it. Yeah. So the opening scene, like we said, very much uh, an homage to screen um, in more ways than one. Um, but going over it, uh, the movie opens up with Maya Hawk, who everybody should know from Stranger Things Season 3, uh, who was awesome in that. And I, I, I assume she's returning in Season 4. Yeah, I believe so. Um, and she is working in a mall at a bookstore. What was, it, what was the bookstore called? Uh, I can't remember. But I was like, is that supposed to be like a pun of Barnes & Noble? I couldn't remember. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Um, but she, she's, uh, she's working in the bookstore. A mom comes in to buy a book for her kid and she is buying a horror book, which is, I believe is supposed to be an R.L. Stein book, mm. right? Because it's Robert Lawrence, I think. Oh, okay. I think at least there's definitely books on the shelf in the store that say Robert Lawrence, which is supposed yeah. to be R.L. Stein. Um, and there's an interesting conversation between the mom and uh, and uh, my hawk, and she's like, "This is low tier horror garbage. Mm-hmm. I'm only buying this for my my daughter or my son. I can't remember." Um, and she's like, "Have a nice day," and she flips her the bird. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, awesome." Um, and uh, yeah, she starts to close down, and then this uh, this small scene continues to unfold, and uh, we we start to get some some spooky vibes. All not as well in the mall. Yeah, definitely. And I think they open up in a good on a good note because immediately we get some jump scares. We have a jump scare and it turns out to be her friend Ryan who is, you know, at the mall. They have kind of like a you can tell they're good friends. They have some good rapport and you can tell, you know, he's kind of a jokester and she's just trying to leave work. She's like, "Okay, I you know, closing hours. Let's get this over with." Um, but then it turns quickly into very scary territory territory with um, whispers, people whispering like Heather in the back. And it's like, okay, obviously there's a spirit around of some sort. Um, and then there's a full on just attack in the mall, a chase scene, which I thought was awesome. And it was definitely, like you said, Scream homage, of course, the Drew Barrymore opening of Scream, which is so iconic. Um, there's a chase scene, a man who is wearing, or you presume it's a man, wearing a skull mask chases her uh you know through the mall which i thought was a really really good scene and it kept me on the edge of my seat yeah i like the uh the little jump scares they they worked in obviously the the janitor mm-hmm. who appears in in multiple scenes which i'm like i wonder if he's gonna play a larger part in the trilogy <laughs> but like or if he was just supposed to be like comedic something whatever mm-hmm. 
Like, mm-hmm. well, it, it's very interesting because he just appears at two other scenes in the movie that we'll bring up. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's a part she gets away. She runs into like a, a Spencer style store um, and she gets the upper hand on the killer, which is super interesting um, because I was like, oh, is she going to get away? Um, no, she just bashes him over the head with a lamp. Uh, and then she gets chased down in the ca- in the the food court, and uh, she gets stabbed. And surprisingly, after she gets stabbed, um, you know, you expect okay, the killers it's going to be just like Scream, right? Um, right. She's going to be hung up in the mall. They're going to find her, and there's going to be a whole trail of of the the movie to come. But no, a cop shows up because when she was in the Spencer store, she picked up the phone, started to call the cops, and like horror tropes mm-hmm. like hi i'm at the mall and oh gotta go and then she just like dropped the phone and started to run away again which like whatever um but the the cop um who uh is played by ashley zuckerman uh nick good sheriff nick good shows up and shoots the killer in the head um and this is when we get a whole big reveal that the killer um was actually Ryan, the the boy that was supposed to give um, Heather, uh, Maya Hawk's character, a ride home, and he don't, he doesn't look okay in the eyes. Uh, he's <laughs> something going on there, uh, and she's like, "It's me. What are you doing? What are you doing?" So I'm like, "Okay, cool. I like this. It's not just like there's an an added element to what's going on here uh, with the the killer and Shady Side, but uh, Sheriff Good shoots him between the eyes. He falls over. He's dead, and that's our opening mm-hmm. scene." Yeah, definitely. I definitely love how um, how the reveal was made very early on who the killer is because, of course, in Scream, spoiler alert, but um, it's Sydney's you know boyfriend and friend and everything. So it's like the person closest to her. We don't know if Heather and Ryan were an item, but they were obviously you know good friends. So I think that reveal was super awesome to see. Like, okay. That just happened. That was crazy. They're both dead. Now, what is going to be the rest of the movie? Right. And it was like listed in like IMDb trivia um, that obviously this was supposed to mirror Drew Barrymore's death in more ways of like the big star gets killed off in the opening scene type of Mm -hmm. uh, like line of reasoning. Now, you know, I would assume that they used my hawk here um, because for those who love Netflix and they watch Stranger Things, she became a, a, a megastar after Stranger Things season three. So I hope that was a fun reveal for like younger fans because like watching Scream for the first time, I was like, holy cow, you killed Drew Barrymore off in the first scene. Um, and this was like years after I'd watched a ton of other Drew Barrymore movies like mm. Fever Pitch and um, Wedding Singer. 50 first dates. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Sandler's in a bunch of those. And so is Jimmy Fallon. Um, but never been kissed. Yeah. Never been kissed. That's another one. Um, so like, obviously Drew Barrymore wasn't who she was back when she filmed scream that she was like when I was like 13, 14 yeah. like, getting into horror movies. So I wonder if kids like who are younger now watching it be like, Oh my God, you killed Maya Hawk off in the first scene. That was crazy. I, I hope they had that same reaction because, um, that's what they're trying to accomplish here, I'm assuming. Yeah, definitely. And even like as it get as the opening scene got going, I was like, oh, this is so like scream, you know, connecting the dots. But I was still like, damn, you killed her off so early. 
Yeah. Love little, Maya Hawk. Like it was still surprising to me. Yeah, a little like too quickly, which I think, mm-hmm. like we said, this is a fast movie. Um, and yeah, it's a it long is. movie, and the movie doesn't slow down, which is crazy. Um, because you know you get the whole phone call with Ghostface about the the movie trivia and and knowing your your horror and getting into that uh that meta universe that Scream is all about with with Drew Barrymore. And in this, it's very much like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to give the bird to this mom who's who's being mean. I'm going to ask Ryan for a ride home, and then, boom, chasing. So, very interesting, very interesting. But, of course, as we'll get into the review, revealing the killer doesn't uh, spoil the movie. It doesn't really end anything. Yeah. It, it's, it's all about um, what really is going on behind the killer's eyes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like at this point, too, I mean, throughout the movie, it proves that it doesn't really matter who the killer is. There's going to keep being more. Yeah, which is awesome. Like, I actually loved this part about the movie. Um, but after the opening scene, we get this uh, pretty awesome credits uh, credits sequence um, where the history of Shadyside is kind of delved into. When we talk about Sunnyvale, which is across town from, from Shadyside and how they're two, like, they couldn't be two more... Uh, polar opposites when it comes to towns like Sunnyvale is all about successful. It's one of the safest neighborhoods in the country and everything like that. And Shadyside is the murder capital USA or killer capital USA. I think they call it. Yeah. I think they call it killer capital USA, which is, I mean, great vibe. Yeah. Very funny. Um, and a bunch of rivalries between the two towns and, and what it means. And I'm like, Oh, like, is this like, is it like a dump? Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think the opening credits kind of didn't portray Shadyside as correctly as the rest of the movie does. Because I definitely mm-hmm. got like, a, oh, is this just like a, a terrible town where like there's poverty and and unemployment and stuff like that? It's like kind of, but that's not really delved into in the movie. It's more just like people die here a lot. <laughs> yeah, I agree, and that's something too that throughout the movie it was like. I think we only really got that story from Sam, our protagonist. Oh, I'm sorry, from Dina, our protagonist, because she keeps saying, you know, this town sucks. I don't want to end up like my parents, that kind of thing. And it's like, we didn't really actually see it. We kind of just heard about it. So yes, Killer Capital USA, that is terrible. That makes it a terrible town. But we didn't really see you know, any of the, any other negatives, like every character that we met seemed like a very good person for the most part. Um, and they do have, you know, um, Nick Good, the the police sheriff or whatever, like they have a good police system, it seemed. So it, it was a little confusing to keep hearing the, you know, like this town sucks, no one ever gets out of here type of narrative. Yeah, maybe that'll be explained more in the, in the following two movies. Um which is totally possible because this is technically the third one in the the line of mm-hmm. in the timeline that we're doing here with uh with Fear Street. So yeah, I mean like Haddonfield for all we know isn't a terrible place to live. There just happens to be a crazy guy with a William Shatner mask going around killing people. Same thing with like Woodsboro. Like for all we know Woodsboro seems to be an okay town except for the murders that go on with Ghostface. So mm-hmm. Very interesting. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and be sure to revisit it for the reviews of the following two movies. But yeah, very in, like uh, entertaining and like uh, visually pleasing opening credits too. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. And then we get to meet our protagonist, Dina, who I talked about for a second. But let's take our first quick break and then we'll be right back to keep talking about it. Cool. So we meet Dina and she seems very um, heartbroken. She seems very sad. She's writing a note for someone named Sam. Um, of course, I'm sure that they chose a, a name that could be used for a boy or a girl um, because it is revealed that Sam is, uh, is a woman, which is awesome to see that relationship at the forefront of, of, the, of the movie. Um, and we also meet uh, Dina's little brother, Josh, who I love. He's just like holed up in his room on his computer and it was such 90s vibes of like AIM or whatever kind of direct messaging you were using. And it just took me back to being in middle school or high school and just always be on, being on AIM or MySpace or whatever it was and just talking to random people who you had no idea who they were and talking about the most random stuff. So we're introduced to Josh and he's talking to, don't know if it's someone that he knows, but it's someone in the town because they're talking about uh, the, the new kill that just happened, Heather, the night before. Um, and then they start talking about Sarah Fear, who of course were like, who is Sarah Fear? This is obviously going to be a big part of the movie. Yeah. And I was like, is it Sarah like fire? No, <laughs> it, it's definitely Sarah Fear. I don't know if it was just like a, a cute way of writing out fear, fear street, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. um, but the I want to go back to Josh for a second because this movie is set in the 90s mm -hmm. and I don't get 90s vibes really throughout the entire movie outside of like some soundtrack like bits like mm -hmm. Radiohead is, is present um, but like Josh is like the most 90s thing about this movie and I love yeah. his character he is by far my favorite character in the in the entire movie and I believe well we'll get to it at the end but he should be <laughs> coming back for the the next two which is awesome uh benjamin flores jr was awesome uh as josh so yeah he's talking to some someone named uh queen of air and darkness or something like that right that, I, yeah it was something like that and it was such like 90s vibes to me because it was like and and early 2000s just like having like a totally like ominous screen name and you just think you're so cool talking about witches and spiritual stuff i loved it yeah uh so he, he's having that conversation. Sarah Fears revealed as this mysterious force. And uh, we get a, a, a little bit of a, a deeper look at Dina's home life. Obviously, her, her dad seems to be a, a drunk and not around. Um, and her, her mom, did they, is, her, is her mom dead in the movie? I, I don't know I'm if they not mentioned sure. it. I'm not sure if she's just not around or if she passed away. Right. I'm not I, sure. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, but either way. There's no parents at the house. Uh, Dina very mm -hmm. much looks after her brother. Um, and they go to school together. Uh, again, the undertones of, of this Sam person and uh, who this person is in, in terms of Dina's heartbreak is very prevalent in the beginning of the movie. Uh, Josh has a crush on Kate, who we find out is, I would assume, head cheerleader. Um, we see her in mm -hmm. a cheerleading outfit. And mm -hmm. she's one of Dina's best friends, along with Simon, um, who I thought was Kate's boyfriend, but is not, is just her drug uh, buddy. buddy. Yeah, they just <laughs> they just sell drugs together. I was like, okay, interesting. Um, but yeah, they have a, a very lucrative drug business going on in the school. Uh, and that's kind of delved into in this bathroom scene where 
uh, Kate's kind of being like, get over Sam. Like, like mm-hmm. Sam moved to Sunnyvale. Sunnyvale, of course, is a huge rivalry with Shadyside. We don't like the people in Sunnyvale, and Sunnyvale people don't like the Shadyside people. And from here, the movie like speeds up. We get a lot of like quick, like, okay, uh, Heather died. We know who Heather was. Um, the high school life doesn't seem like Dina's high school life doesn't seem to be very terrible. Um, she's yeah. not like, uh, ridiculed. She's in band. Um, and <laughs> her band outfit is very funny, uh, when she gets <laughs> on the bus. Um, but it w- it's not like the same, like, uh, vibe from freaky that I got where yeah. uh, our main character in freaky is very much the picked outcast on. picked on bullied stuff like that. Um, Josh is, is bullied a bit though for I call him a nerd and stuff like that. I was like, Okay. <laughs> Someone has to be bullied, I guess. I guess. Um, the high school movie. Right. Uh, but our, our plot further along here because there's obviously the big football game coming up and they're going to have a candlelight vigil for Heather. Uh, and the Shadyside people don't really like it because they don't think it's sincere. And the Sunnyvale people don't like it because they're talking about the crazy town and another death, which is like weird because somebody died yeah <laughs> it's like it's just weird motivations to be like screw you and whoever died in your town you suck i was like okay interesting um so they go to the candlelight vigil tensions heat up between the two um and a fight breaks out which is again bizarre why is a fight breaking out at a candlelight vigil mm-hmm. like that's just like if i had to nitpick i'm gonna nitpick throughout the review because Get into the the, the, meat, the meat of the movie. It was just very strange. Uh, but we get introduced to Jeremy Ford, um, who plays Hey-o. Peter. Um, and Peter is um, kind of teased out in the scene of potentially being Sam, or is Sam the girl? Yeah. Um, because we see that Dean is very um, focused on two people. Um, a Sam's a cheerleader too, um, that we find out. And, and obviously Peter's on the football team, but it's again, kind of subversion here. Who is Sam? Uh, is it, is it the boy? Is it the girl? Uh, And yeah, they, uh, Sam and and Dina go off to talk and and Peter starts a fight. So I'm like, yo, Jeremy, what are you doing? Why are we starting a fight at a candlelight vigil? (laughs) I know that I don't really understand what the fight was about. I guess it was to show that Peter is a dick and to show that like the rivalry is so real, but I wasn't really sure like why that happened. I guess to just keep the tension up. I guess. So just to, to further along what happens next in the movie. Um, but Dina and Sam, obviously then we get the bigger reveal who Sam is. Um, Mm -hmm. and Jeremy mentioned that it was awesome, uh, in our review that the, the, the main, uh, characters in the movie, um, was a, a lesbian couple. So, that subversion, I guess, for people who might have been confused, uh, is mm-hmm. revealed, and there's a big fight. She's very upset that Sam left and moved to Shady to Sunnyvale, and it seems her parents aren't uh, approving of her uh, being with Dina. So, mm-hmm. I guess being with Peter is being part of the the fam familial social norm yeah, that so. her family wants. Um, it's not really like explained, but it's very mm-hmm. much alluded to. And then it's like, nah, screw you. You left me for shady for Sunnyvale and they leave. And this just like, it gets very intense from here on out between these kids, because at this point, after the candlelight vigil, this movie doesn't stop at all. It's, it's, it's 100 miles per hour from here on out. 
Yeah. So then what happens is I guess they're leaving the, the game and the vigil and everything. And um, Dina is back in the bus and Sam and Peter are driving behind the bus. And for whatever reason, they get into a fight like while they're driving and while in the bus. It also reminded me of because I don't think they showed alcohol. I, as a, as far as I remember with Peter and Sam in the car, but just them being super reckless on the road kind of remind me of like, I know what you did last summer vibes. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I got that. So I thought that was cool. And it also was just like such a like high school, like you guys are idiots kind of thing. So some type of like fight breaks out between them. And then Sam or Dina opens the back of the bus and throws what? Throws something? So, I, I think she threw it or it fell out, but Dina's been like overcome with rage at this point, And she's very yeah. upset, um, which is understandable. Like I definitely believe her motivations um, and they're throwing like soda or something. I can't remember. They're throwing something at the back of the bus, yeah. which is like, again, I thought this was supposed to be the nice town and shady side was supposed to be the bad yeah. town. Like yeah. what is going on here? Um, but they're clearly harassing the school bus and the, uh, Dina, Kate, and Simon, who I don't know why he's on the bus. His face is painted green. Mm-hmm. I don't know I if he, he, just, he was a, just friends and just snuck on a, a mascot. Uh, oh, also, maybe, maybe a, a cheerleader. I don't know. Is he? <laughs> he's there and he looks like the Hulk with his green face painting. So, for whatever reason, he's there. And Dina again is ready. She opens the emergency door of the bus, which we are told as kids not to do. Yeah, never, never, ever, unless it was those like training days at school, which was like, oh, great because yeah. you got out of because you got out of class for a little bit, and they're like, <laughs> open the emergency door. <laughs> I forgot that happened. This is totally great. Um, and she's ready to throw their water cooler at yeah. the car, which. Very dangerous. Terrible idea. Yeah, it is a terrible idea. Um, and at this point, Kate's like, I-, I don't know if you should do this. Um, and they both just like, ah, now nah, we're doing this. We're doing this. And, yeah. But then Dina's nose starts to bleed, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. And instead, the the cooler I think just kind of falls out the back. I don't think she throws it, um, because that would be kind of weird for our main protagonist to just. Try to cause a car accident. That'd be weird. Right. Uh, and the car ends up swerving off the road, hits a tree, um, and, and there's a big car crash, which is um, startling, I think. I didn't expect the movie to take that turn. I know, definitely. Um, and then, so I guess they all rush over there, and everyone's oh, relatively okay. Um, Sam also has a bloody nose, but it's also like, is it for creepy reasons or is it because you were literally just in a car crash who's to say um but we do get kind of an explanation in a second because then we get the kind of the whispers that heather was experiencing in the opening scene um someone's whispering sam and then she gets vision a vision of kind of like a witch trial some like old timey things going on super like horrific stuff really scary stuff and yeah, then it, it kind of makes it. I got also Evil Dead vibes here because she's on the ground in the blood, in her blood and dirt and everything like that. So definitely got Evil, uh, Evil, I'm going to say Evil Blood. <laughs> <laughs> evil Dead remake vibes from that. Yeah, same. Um, which was cool. Uh, you know, part of the the ground 
in Shadyside. What is this all about? Uh, and, you know, this ends up being the, the catalyst for the rest of the movie, because after uh, an interview with uh, Sheriff Good, who appears to be the only cop in town, um, <laughs> is uh, is interviewing the kids. And they're just like, it was an act, like, I don't know. I don't remember what happened. So like the bus driver saw you with the cooler, throw it out of the back of the yeah. bus. He's like, did he see that? And I was like, I was like, you like, what is going on? <laughs> this is such a bizarre conversation with our yeah. main characters. Do we even assume that she would try to cause a car accident out of essentially heartbreak? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah. So uh, some more stuff is is, uh, is kind of teased at. The, the main characters go out their separate ways. Dina and Josh go home to their house. Um, and Kate and Simon go to, I believe, someone else's house to babysit two kids. Yeah, and this was also Halloween vibes. <laughs> right. And the, again, I don't know if the movie like is trying to tell us not to like these people, but mm-hmm. Kate is having these two twin girls who have to be 10 years or younger sort their drugs for them. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I know. I thought thought the same thing. I was like, wait, that's a great idea. They could just eat them all, and then what would you do? Right, and she's like, specifically, she's like, don't eat those unless you want to, yeah. like, die a gruesome death. And I was like, okie dokie. Um, but uh, Dina starts to get harassed outside of her house. Um, very much more, like, scream type of vibes here um, with uh, Skull Mask, who mm-hmm. is, you know, we think to be a Sunny Valor parading around as Ryan uh, in the opening movie. Um, and we get uh, some breaking and entering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, uh, is it both houses? Yeah, it's both houses. Um, I think so. It, it happens at the, the babysitting house with, with Kate and Simon. Kate, uh, yeah. Because Simon is still rocking his shirt. Yes. With the blood that Sam got on him from the car accident, which is weird because he's like, I had to go to work. This is the only thing in my car. And I was like, dude, was again, like, we're not doing a good job movie of, of mm-hmm. getting us to like our main characters at all. Like, it, it's very weird. Outside of Josh. We love Josh. Um, mm-hmm. And someone breaks into the house. He's seen going through the laundry. Yeah. It's weird. And we're like, is this like a panty raid? Like, Sponge, SpongeBob. I, I don't know what we're doing here. Um, but Dina is convinced that she's being harassed by Sonny Valors for what happened. And yeah. she gets this in her mind. She's like, screw this. I'm going to go say something to his face. And I'm going to go to Sam. And we're going to get this done and over tonight. So they go to the hospital where Sam is at. And again, a very interesting scene um, where the receptionist is not paying attention at all. But Kate is like, I'm here to see Nurse Betty. Uh, yeah. And we're like, I'm like, okay. Uh, and Betty is not a, um, an actual nurse. I think, I don't know. Um, but, uh, this guy walks out and instead of nurse Eddie or Betty, if you would assume like B E T T Y it's B E D D Y. He wrote a B onto his name tag. And I, uh-huh. I'm assuming he's the drug kingpin of, of shady side. Yeah. I couldn't tell. It was kind of confusing. I thought he was a real nurse. But then he was also buying drugs. So was, was that like his day job and like his night job is like drug kingpin? Maybe. Well, Maybe. not nothing anymore. He has no job no more. Yeah. If if you liked Nurse Betty from at that, this point in the movie, don't expect him to be around for very long. Um, so they use their connections with Nurse Betty through 
their drug stuff um, mm-hmm. to get Dina into the, the the hospital, like the, I don't know, never been admitted to a hospital. What do they call it? Yeah, those? whatever wing she's in, right. the ER. <laughs> right. Um, and she she's resting, she's laying there. And because it's, it's past visiting hours, we have to explain that, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a whole conversation talking about like, your boyfriend is is harassing me outside my house, like cut it out. And this is when Sam becomes more and more prevalent in the movie. Her her dialogue picks up, her role in the movie very much picks up. She's very much this like other person who doesn't live in town anymore uh, mm-hmm. up until this point. And uh, Peter shows up and they have this whole conversation and, and things are getting spooky in the hospital while this is all going on. Um, but we do learn that Josh knows hacks to a vending machine, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, to affirm his nerd status. <laughs> to impress Kate. Right. It impresses Kate because Simon doesn't have any change on him. Neither does Josh because she gets hungry and she wants something from the vending machine. But Josh is like, bee bop and then everything <laughs> falls out of the vending machine. And I'm like, is that a thing? Like, is like 90s thing. I, I was more impressed by the fact that that actually was a thing than like getting ticked off that they were just like, Josh is a nerd. Josh knows nerdy Yay. things. Um, so while that happens, uh, we finally get our first real kill outside of the cold opening um, when mm-hmm. uh, our boy Jeremy bites the dust. Jeremy Ford just dies out of nowhere. Yeah, it was very, very abrupt in it. And it got the got the the movie really going again. Because, of course, in the beginning, like we said, it's super, super fast. Then we got a lot of introductions of people, why people are the way that they are, what their motivations are. And now it's like, all right, now we're back at it. And this kind of just proves that Peter wasn't the one, you know, terrorizing Dina. Um, Peter likely had nothing to do with it because he was just stabbed to death and killed right away. Yeah, I like that it was kind of also like this a little bit of scream because mm-hmm. they, you know, they assume that Billy is the killer from the first night uh, uh, with uh, harassing Sydney, but that's not the case. So I liked that, but then uh, the skull mask person, the actual skull mask, shows up and, and stabs Peter right through the gut with a knife, uh, and and he bites the dust, ensuing a um, a chase scene, and we get some like classic like '90s like final girl screams and like scream queen stuff like that. So I'm loving all the references that the movie is doing so far, um, and yeah, they they get out of there, uh, but not before Nurse Betty bites the dust um, real quick. And same with the receptionist. She had to die for some reason, which mm-hmm. is interesting when we come to the later parts of the movie because it's very much explained that these killers aren't out to just kill everybody. They have a purpose, yeah. Right, they have a purpose, which I very much like about this movie. I like that plot device that they're working to the, the slasher genre. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, the, all of our, our main characters, they get away by stealing an ambulance. So we're just adding to the list of things that our main characters are doing. <laughs> Uh, and they they run to the police station um, to to talk to Sheriff Good. Yep, and of course, like any horror movie, uh, they do not believe the kids. So of course, they're super frustrated with everything that just happened. But um, Good doesn't believe them. Police doesn't believe them. So they're like, "We're out of luck. What do we do now?" And what they do now is Dina steals a gun from the police officer. Right, which is That's right. What she decided to do. That's right out of Freaky. Like they did something like that in yeah. Freaky. She stole um, 
well, I can't remember their names. Uh, Catherine Newton's friend stole something from the sheriff, right? Yeah. But they handcuffed mm-hmm. her. They handcuffed her to the jail. Um, but very interesting that they we're doing this. Uh, and we're just, again, adding to things that main characters aren't doing. Um, but this is where the lore of the movie really opens up. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Simon, who can't seem to just get a grip for any minute of this film, um, says, I gotta go take a piss. And he wanders off uh, and, and goes to pee in the middle of town. <laughs> like, literally in the middle of town. Um, yeah. And this girl is sitting on the sidewalk singing a song. And Simon overhears this, and he's kind of drawn to it like a siren, which I thought was really mm-hmm. cool. Um, and she is not okay. Uh, she's got, like, scar marks on her face. She is not good. She's carrying a razor blade. Uh, and she slices him up. Um, which... I was a little confused here because I thought she sliced him up like real good on the Achilles tendon. Yeah, I thought he was gonna like die. <laughs> right, but <laughs> or it would be not good, and he was pretty good. Like you know that scene in Hostel where they slice what's his face his Achilles tendon, and he tries to walk, and he just oh, gross. Yeah, <laughs> super gross. Um, but apparently it's just like a, it was like a little like slice. He's okay. Um, they have like mm-hmm. a little bit of a, a wrestling match. Um, in the middle of town. And she looks like she's about to overcome him until Dina, who has now stolen a gun, then uses said gun to shoot this person on top of Simon in the middle of the street. Like, no second thoughts, no like, yeah. like, hey, what's up? Which is like, cool. Like, I like that Dina's being proactive here and then we're not doing like, what are you doing? Stop it. Who are you? Come yeah. out. But also like, holy shit. She, she's, Dina is revving it up. We've stolen an ambulance, stolen a gun, and now we've used said gun on a random person in the street, um, seemingly sh- killing this person. Mm-hmm. Simon gets away and he's like, oh, she was hot. I don't know. Like, what's going on? I'm like, brah. <laughs> brah, what are we doing here? Uh, but this person is not dead. They reanimate in the middle of the cor- of the 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 street and, Wait, yeah. and our main characters freak out. And I was like, Whoa, what the hell's going on here? This is crazy. Um, and yeah, that's a, a, a huge part of the movie because this leads, leads our, our main characters to go home. Uh, and we finally <laughs> get more backstory on Sarah fear. And Josh is the, uh, the one who leads it all. Yeah, so he kind of, like you said, shows n- newspaper clippings, kind of explains the history as he knows it because he seems more of an expert than the rest of them. Um, so he kind of explains that Sarah Fear was hanged for witchcraft in 1666 and she can turn people into killers. Um, and to that, Sam has her confession, I saw the witch, and now they're all like, oh shit, she's after you then. What are we going to do? Right. And the first thing they think of um, before we can take our break, because this is like, this is the last part of the movie where our killers are kind of like, or our our protagonists are kind of like playing dumb horror tropes. They get very smart from mm-hmm. here on out, uh, which I like. Um, I don't like when our our main characters have to play stupid until they get killed off, and then it's left to the the, the last person. Um, especially for a movie like that's released now, right? Like that stuff yeah. worked in the '90s and the '80s, but now I want my main characters to. Um, you know, pick up on things and be smart. So kudos to, to Fear Street for doing that. Uh, they go to the grave where the, the crash happened, which is just like, it's super, super um, 
fortunate that the car crash happened to happen right at the grave of the witch. Uh-huh. <laughs> but whatever, I'm not going <laughs> to, that's not like a nitpick or a criticism or anything. Um, but they go to the grave and Simon has the brilliant idea to be like, oh, let's just, let's just fix her grave. Let's just tidy it up a little bit. Let's just, here you go. Like, have a good night or whatever he says. He says something yeah. hella corny. Um, but that doesn't fix things because a new killer uh, is now going after them and he's got no face and he's got an axe and that okay. guy was creepy as hell. <laughs> yes. Agreed. I think he was the creepiest one um, out of, out of the bunch. So yeah. So we're coming toward towards kind of the second half of the movie here. So let's take our final break and then we'll be right back. Cool. So now they know um, Sam kind of connects with Sarah fear when she's at the grave. Um, her nose is bleeding again. They all know, okay, she's after Sam, um, so let's go. They go to their school. Right. And, okay. <laughs> I'm, like, trying to remember, like, the series of events. So they go to their school, um, and they're, they're just trying to set their plan there. Is right. that it? Yeah, they, they set the plan up. I can't remember if they go to the grave first before going back to their house and setting a new plan. Either way, we're at the school. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think they I think we said it right. I think they went back to the house they're talking about the history, then they went to the graves, and then now they're going to the school. Right. And the school is where they want to hatch their master plan to kill mm-hmm. all of the killers. Uh, because they realize that they're not after any of them, they're after just Sam. They want Sam. Sam needs to die. So they hatch this this brilliant plan, um, which is kind of foreshadowed in the beginning of the movie, uh, in the bathroom scene where we, we meet uh, Kate and Simon, that they hide their drugs in the yeah. ventil- ventilation, uh, which is, again, a very interesting place to hide your <laughs> drug stash. But I guess it's it's shady side. Shady stuff happens here, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole plan is to use uh, Sam's blood as a decoy mm-hmm. to get all of the killers into that bathroom. Sam is going to climb out through the ventilation shaft, escape that way, and... They're going to blow up the bathroom. Yeah, I feel like they thought they had like a home alone plan going, but it's definitely just no terrible plan. Yeah. I don't know if it's just a terrible plan, but just like also, again, we're blowing up <laughs> a school bathroom. A school, yeah. Yeah, essentially. So cool. Um, and the plan works because we, we see all the killers. Um, they are very much avoiding our main characters. Uh, mm-hmm. And they, they all tunnel into this bathroom. We have um, Skull Mask. We have, I can't remember the guy's, guy. the axe guy, um, axe murderer man. And <laughs> we have Ruby Lane, um, who yeah. was the, the woman that Simon was drawn to in the street, uh, who I, was my favorite of the killers. Um, she's awesome. I hope we get more of her backstory uh, in the, the next two movies. But... She, they all go into the bathroom, Sam escapes, and they actually blow up this bathroom with whatever chemicals they had. They they had a lot of chemicals of some kind. I guess it's a school. I'm sure there's like right. a, sci- a science lab. <laughs> yeah. And then we also forgot, too, we had kind of a, a romance montage real quick when they're trying to set up their plan. Um, Sam and Dina, I think they're in like the science room. They start making out. It's this whole thing. Then... <laughs> Which I was surprised about. Josh and Kate kissed, which yeah. was very much like, all right, underdog, but also you're, you look like you're 12. Like, yeah, that, all, like, is it a pity kiss? Is it like, you're going to die. Here's a kiss. Um, 
And, you know, when they do things in movies like that, it's like, oh, okay, he got his kiss. Now he can die. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, crap, they're going to kill Josh off? That would suck. I get, he's like a kid. Um, yeah. So that, and there's also, again, some interesting scene where they're all waiting outside the bathroom for the plan to go off. And Simon's like, did all of you just go to pound town? And I'm like, bruh. <laughs> It's like, what the hell is, what the hell is your deal, Simon? I know. He was definitely supposed to be like the ditzy best friend who's just there for comedic relief. I kind of liked him. I thought he was funny, but it was definitely very, like, we've seen this before. Yeah. He's not like, he's supposed to be like the stoner guy too. Yeah. Um, But also like Kate is mix, mixes in, in that stoner kind of stereotype character in horror. <laughs> um, But Maybe I'm just so like used to like Jamie Kennedy and Scream being like the, yeah. the, the, the smart guy, and also uh, Cabin in the Woods. Uh, I can't. What's his name? I can't remember his name. But the, the stoner in Cabin in the Woods is the one who lasts, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he's very smart. So those are both very meta movies. This isn't a meta movie at all. Um, so yeah, as Simon said, apparently they all went to Pound Town, and the the killers go in. They blow up the bathroom. Very big explosion. Um, awesome they go into the bathroom they're like aha we did it we defeated the killers um but no because all this like black goo on the mirrors and the walls goes like straight terminator 2 judgment day and the bodies reanimate which i was like whoa okay now we're getting into like wtfville yes i thought that was really really cool i was really interested in that and it was just funny because it happens in almost every movie where you know that the killer can come back to life. Like they still have this elaborate plan to try to kill them. And it's like, no, you saw it with Ruby Lane. They of course didn't, you know, they're new to this. Whereas we had some background. (laughs) Um, So I guess they really did think they were just going to die, but nope, they came right back to life. So now they need to set a new plan. Um, and then what they realize, like Joshua has the has the realization that there was when he was looking at the newspaper newspaper clippings and everything like that, there was a survivor back in the seventies um, named C. Berman. So they try to call her. I believe she doesn't answer yet, or she they don't get a hold of her. Um, and they have kind of the realization that uh, Sam needs to die in order to come back to life and survive the witch's curse. Right. And this is like after the fact that Kate is like, yeah, Sam, you got to die. Yeah. Uh-huh. You, like, <laughs> just just go die. Like, could you just like die for us? That'd be great. And I'm like, whoa, we're just taking a massive turn here. Um, yeah. And I like had to like check my mind back into the time period that we're in um, for this movie because like I haven't used a house phone in years. <laughs> and I totally forget like when you call someone's house and they don't answer, like you can hear their voicemail going off. Also, there was like a scene with a beeper, which I thought was funny. Um, mm-hmm. Like one scene. It was like, oh, it's the 90s. We got to have a beeper. Um, <laughs> but uh, another part from the beginning of the movie that we haven't mentioned that comes back into the whole final plan now. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the third stage of, of Rid the Curse of the Witch here um, is Simon's brother had an overdose. And I say that in air quotes because right. in, in the movie they say uh, he didn't really overdose. He just kind of had like 
not really an overdose and they brought him back and i was like sounds like he od'd and <laughs> saved his life but right anyway, anyway um the whole plan is to have sam now overdose <clears throat> on the drugs that kate and simon have and then they're going to bring her back to life a la pulp fiction Uma Thurman. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> which was funny i thought that was like okay like how are you going to one up your bathroom explosion plan? I guess this is more intricate. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny too, to try to think about, like, I feel like they were semi casual about it, but at the same time, everything that they just went through, I guess, you know, your mindset is not the same as it would be. Um, so yeah, so they decide they need to lure the, uh, the henchmen is what they call them. Sarah Fears henchmen, the, the dead people. Um, they need to lure them again. So they go into a grocery store type of thing. Um, and the, yeah, the plan is for Kate to overdose. So I'm sorry, Kate, Sam to overdose. So they're in the grocery store. Um, they start giving Sam the pills, but spoiler alert, plot twist, which is, I mean, if you thought about it, this makes sense. She's so small that like she's taking them and she just keeps throwing them up. Right. So it's like, Okay, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, and what was like super interesting about this was like Dina was like, yo, Kate, it's time for your close-up. Time for you to do what you do best, and that's drugs. Yeah, and I was like, people. I was like, what? Because <laughs> at this point, like, I came around on Kate as Dina's best friend, mm-hmm. and like, I liked her. I liked that the, you know, Josh has this huge crush on her. Uh, that is very much explained throughout the entire movie, and... I was I was starting to root for her character. Simon, I was still like, bruh, you got to figure it out. You got to figure it out one day or another, just hopefully sooner. Um, and yeah, she's not keeping the drugs down. And what I thought was kind of silly at this point in the movie was that they decide they need to run interference for Sam. Um, mm-hmm. And the way they want to do that uh, so that she can overdose and die and then come back to life is by painting her blood on their chest, kind of in the yeah. same, like they like use it as like an X, like X marks the spot, but also like this is where you need to stab Sam with the EpiPens to bring her back to life, which was okay. Um, but they just had this plan where they realized they could just lure the killers in one way. They weren't obsessed with anyone else. So I don't know why we're running interference with our characters. We could have thought of something else. So I, that was a, 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 a major gripe I had with this part of the movie. Um, but it's yeah. very, it's very understandable when what comes later as we get into the kind of climax of the movie. But did you like that at all? Did you kind of think that was like a step backwards for our characters? Um, to be honest, I didn't think too much about it. So now that you said it, it's like, yeah, that kind of didn't really make any sense. <laughs> yeah. But um, so as the plan of the drugs is not going well, um, mm-hmm. poor Sam cannot keep down her drugs. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, she's so small. Like It's like, yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Again, this whole planet was like a bizarre. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. Very bizarre plan. Um, and the, the killers have shown up. It's time to run interference. And Simon kind of gets a moment for him to kind of redeem his character where Josh is kind of like depressed that Kate is, will never be interested in him. And... Simon's like, no, dude, like, that's not Kate at all. And that's not you at all. Like, she sees mm-hmm. something in you. You're a special person. And she likes you. Um, and and go out there. Like, be a man. Save the day. Save the day. Go watch that exit. Um, which I thought was like, okay, 
I still don't like Simon. Still, come on, all over the place, <laughs> a little all over the place, bud. Um, but if I'm having that reaction, that's also a good thing because that's the character, you know. Like, yeah, the character should emit those emotions in the viewer, not to a point where you're like, okay, just this guy sucks. I hate this character completely. It's not a good character, but for all the all the right reasons of of saying things like Pound Town. Um, so killers come in and. Uh, a chase scene, uh, things start to fall apart. The the drugs kind of get kicked all over the place, and they can't figure out what to do because the piles were very much like this pile will make you feel like a unicorn. Yeah, uh, which yeah. I was like, okay, I guess we'll make her happy before she dies. Um, and uh, the the whole X's the the henchmen overpower uh, Kate. And this is the best kill of the entire movie. I loved this so much, but I also like hated it because Kate died. I at this point, so late in the movie, I didn't imagine the best friends were gonna die. Same. I agree. Um, so yeah, this is when we get two major kills um as we get to the end of the movie here, which I was also surprised about. So Kate is stabbed first and then her head is smushed into what is either meat grinder or bread slicer. I couldn't tell which one it was. My, my girlfriend confirmed it is a bread slicer. Okay. <laughs> and, and then fun IMDb trivia here. Um, people on the set did not believe that a human head could be cut by a bread slicer. So uh, they used a watermelon to test it out. And when it actually happened, uh, everybody on set was super happy about it. They were like, yeah, we could do this. <laughs> amazing yeah they did not skip out on the gore they showed the whole thing showed her face afterwards or what was left of it so that was crazy definitely my jaw was dropped at that point um especially because the kills so far hadn't been crazy there were you know multiple kills and it was graphic but it wasn't anything you know like freaky it wasn't anything like insane um and then sadly simon dies he's hit in the head with the axe and bye to him that it was very quickly like all right they're both gone um <laughs> and then dina's like all right we're gonna drown sam in the lobster tank or whatever it was um so that i mean i guess that was an easy way out eventually sam does drown um and dina brings her back yeah um it was all very much like it was all very much rushed but at the same time i feel like that kind of thing does happen in real life where like you have a grand plan and then it's just like in the moment it's like oh shit no i can just do this and then it's fine right i did like that a little bit um i want to like quickly go back to because i rewinded through kate's death yeah and it's so well done from like her like fighting for her life on the table and then the way her head starts to hit the bread slicer and her screams like, no, no. And then they just abruptly stop. And her head, just, I was like, yo, that was gross and awesome. And then Simon dies CGI axe <laughs> to that, which I was like, all right, cool. He's dead. Get him out of here. I know, very fast. That one was very just like, well, you're here too. Bye. We don't need you anymore. Yeah. Josh is like, oh no, Kate's dead. Simon. And Simon's like, oh, I'm dead. Okay. So Josh is um, now running for his life is the last line of the last offensive lineman, I guess, uh, protecting mm -hmm. the quarterback. Um, and yeah, she she successfully drowns her. Um, and it was very interesting because there's a lot of like Sam's obviously I'm sure your internal instincts are like starting to fight for your life as you're being drowned. So I understand that. Um, but there's like, like she grabs her hand, like assures her, like, 
this is okay. Like, I care for you. This is what we need to do. And she's having a hard time. She's like not drowning um, mm-hmm. until like Dina looks over at Josh, who's like about to die. And then Sam finally drowns. And in doing so, all of the spirits, uh, the henchmen, they evaporate. They're gone. Um, and then it's time to to bring uh, Sam back to life. And this was also where the movie kind of confused me because yes, she had just taken those drugs, but also she had just thrown up a bunch. It's not clear how many she, t- she took. Um, and of course, when you drown, uh, uh, you know, we've all seen a lot of movies where this, this stuff happens and in real life, this stuff happens sometimes. What do you do? You perform CPR, mm-hmm. right? Time to get your chest compressions going, trying to get some, some air in those airways, but no, sit, Dina just stabs her like five times with happy pens. Yeah, that was stupid. I I chalked it up to just panic. <laughs> I I guess, yeah. <laughs> like, but also like that's a lot of adrenaline. Yeah, that like, was a lot. <laughs> I know. I remember like watching it, being like, I don't think you would live through that. <laughs> like, I wonder if they were gonna like kill her by accident, and that was gonna be like a terrible thing at the end of the movie. It was that Sam died because. It was all panic. Nobody knew what to do in that situation, mm-hmm. um, which would have been interesting, but also very, very dark. Yeah. Um, but no, she comes back to life. They save her after realizing CPR is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Instead of, again, we see what one needle of epinephrine does to Uma Thurman in population. Yeah. It is like, boom, in, <gasps> and that's it. Uh, this is like a lot, a lot of adrenaline. Can't understate how much adrenaline this is. I don't know if she thought like the adrenaline would just like kickstart her lungs and whatever. Too much nitpicking. Apologies. Um, but they go to the police station. They report what happened, uh, and it seems that the the story they're going with in the end is that Simon and Kate went crazy. It was just the two the drugs the the drugs drove them crazy, and and which was confusing to me because like the drugs drove them to also die. Yeah, I know. That was like a cheap, like, I feel like it was like just an adult way to be like, it was just the drugs. <laughs> right. It was very, very, very mm-hmm. interesting. But what's super interesting about this is that uh, Sheriff Good doesn't turn out to just be a useless cop in the movie. He actually seems to kind of understand what's going on here because he dropped the letter off saying it's happening again to somebody's mm-hmm. house. And he seems to actually really believe Dina. He's like, apologize. He's like, I'm sorry. I wasn't listening before. I'm listening now. Tell me what happened. And she's unwilling to help, um, which you totally can believe because uh, the the police department kind of shafted her in the beginning of the movie. So yeah, uh, they go back home. Everything is assumed to be over. Um, hopefully, everyone thinks that it's it's all done and uh, the the witch's curse has been broken. Um, but <laughs> that's not the case. We got two more movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're back at the house. Dina and Sam are together. Josh is there, you know, in his room or whatever, chatting on the web um, about what happened. And uh, Dina receives a phone call that is basically saying, you know, this is not over. Like, the witch doesn't stop. And Dina's like, "It's no, it's over. We did it. Like, Sam's fine. We're all okay. Um, and right as that happens, um, Tina... Tina. Dina kind of turns around. They're in the kitchen, and Sam is possessed. 
Yeah. She kind of attacks her and she stabs her, right? Yeah, so she stabs her. She falls to her knees. And I was like, oh, crap. Dina just died. I know. That's what I thought, too. I was like, holy hell. And then I was also like, how does she survive? But whatever. Yeah. Um, Also, it's worth mentioning. It's it's C. Berman on the phone. And Dina's not happy. Oh, she does say it. Yeah. Dina's like, C. Berman, we don't need your help. We did this on our own. Like, screw (laughs) you, C. Berman. Um, (laughs) And she's like, no, 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 no. You thought you were done? No, not happening. Um, And... When she stabs Dina and Dina falls to the ground, um, clearly possessed by by Sarah Fear, mm-hmm. I was like, I'll explain it at the end when we get our scores and overall thoughts on the movie. I was like, Dina was the most um, thought out character in the movie, definitely given the most amount of uh, dialogue to explain everything. And uh, Kiana Madeira, who plays her, did an awesome job. I think she's great in this movie. Um, yeah, so that happened. She fall. I was like, shit, she's dead. And then Josh yeah. is downstairs chatting because, again, we did throughout the movie that Dina cannot call Sam when he's in his nerd cave, I guess, um, mm-hmm. chatting on the internet because he's listening to, to rock music and he's being a nerd <laughs> and an outcast in the 90s. Word. Um, but also, I did appreciate he was wearing an Iron Maiden shirt at one point. So that was, again, Josh is awesome. Um, I was like, crap, she's going to go downstairs and kill Josh now. And then it's going to be a really sad ending to the movie. And mm-hmm. how are they going to do the next two movies? But no, they cut back. Dina is fending off Sam, um, which is a interesting twist for kind of what they showed. And they left us with in that kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. And uh there's some more chat room going on but it it ends up that that dina successfully fends off sam and she ties her up with the phone cord yeah (laughs) which is interesting um i I don't know how she did that yeah very well done at at this point they blew up a school bathroom and they did an elaborate suicide or not suicide um like murder yeah thing like if they can do that i'm sure she can tie somebody up with a phone cord um it was more like is that phone cord strong enough to like keep a possessed human? I guess, yeah. I guess, because it's Sam and she's tiny, and we've established that she can't keep her drugs down. Um, but Josh comes upstairs and he's like, "Crap, what do we do?" Um, and uh, it ends with a, a little jump scare with with Sam jumping at the. She doesn't look crazily possessed. Um, yeah, she's just like growling. <laughs> yeah, she's like, like a like a zombie kind of. Um, <clears throat> But like not like deadite in the face, like Evil Dead style. It's just mm-hmm. tied up in a phone cord in a kitchen. Um, would have been like super interesting. I thought they were going to do this um, working in the later parts of the movie or the, the earlier parts of the timeline for the trilogy that Dina's dad was going to come home and see this mm-hmm. and have like a major trip out that like the witch's curse is still affecting his oh, life. Yeah. But now that doesn't happen. Um and it's now left to, to Dina and Josh to figure out what to do with, with possessed Sam in their kitchen. Yep. And then there's, it's kind of ends with the cliffhanger teaser for the next movie. Um, they go to meet with C. Berman, who is going to explain to them what happened to her and how she survived the witch. And then that kind of is setting up um, the second movie in the series. Yeah. And that's uh, cool that playing. Yeah. I like, again, Love the love the music in this movie. Um, people were upset, and I was reading reviews that it was just like you can't just put Radiohead in and call it the nineties. Mm-hmm. Like, like no, I like the fact that they were able to get creep for the movie and schools, yeah. and schools out. 
Very cool. Um, and yeah, that is Fear Street Part 1, 1994, in the books. Overall thoughts. Thanks for sticking with us for that long review. There's a lot, lot of, <laughs> lot of plot to go over through in that movie. Yeah, definitely. I really liked it. I mean, there were some parts that were just like kind of stupid, but I feel like also a lot of times, especially with horror movies or action movies, there are a lot of little things that just can't be explained. It's just like, whatever, the plot's moving so fast that it's like, okay, fine, I'll buy it kind of thing. Um, but overall, I did like it. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, I know it sounded like I was nitpicking a lot throughout the review, uh, and I can kind of explain that now, because now that we've kind of talked about it, I didn't have an issue with some of the character choices they had, and my my more uh, like stronger issues with the movie lie in the dialogue. I think mm-hmm. the dialogue outside of Dina and Josh lacks a lot, Yeah, especially with Sam, which sucks, because Sam is supposed to be Dina's love interest, and it... I, the catalyst to everything that's going on in this movie and her dialogue at times just very much seems like you, you gotta believe me <laughs> like it's like the writer's yeah. being like you, ha- you have to believe what sam is saying you ha- like believe it believe it. please like believe what she's saying and, and what this means for the movie uh which sucks because uh it's you know going uh it's playing across from dina whose dialogue is very real i definitely believe all of her character motivations um and sam is very much thrown in as like this is dina's ex-girlfriend she moved to the other town Mm -hmm. and now she's possessed believe everything about this backstory so uh yeah the the dialogue was kind of weak especially simon again pound town (laughs) just a line pound town in the middle of a, a a plan to blow up a school yeah i think yeah i think a lot of things were treated like super casually too like also when heather died in the beginning they all go back to school and everyone's just like joking about it and it's like i know that kind of happened in scream but those were like the assholes and then like everyone else was like that's fucked up why would you do that and it didn't seem like there was really that in this movie right they like heather dies and they're very much like another day in shady side um Which is very, yeah, even though it didn't have, like, it hadn't happened in whatever twenty years or whatever it was, less than twenty years, but it's not like it was a daily occurrence. Right, it was very weird. Um, and yeah, like, where are the parental figures in this movie? The only mm-hmm. parent we see is Sam's mom. Sam's mom, yeah, and she is very much not happy that Sam likes girls. <laughs> Mm-hmm. or maybe that was just like I, that's what I believed I maybe it wasn't supposed to be like I'm really unhappy you got yourself tangled in this nonsense that's going on <laughs> right now but she didn't seem happy when Sam kissed Dina at the police station yeah I think it was probably a mix of both but I feel like in the beginning they kind of alluded to the fact that like Sam was maybe closeted to her parents or pretending that she wasn't you know uh, gay yeah. anymore that's so right. I feel like her parents definitely were not approving. No, that's right. You're right. Because I, I believe they wanted her to move to Sunnyvale and be with Peter and have a, a you know, quote, unquote, yeah. normal life. No, you're right. Um, yeah. That's the only parent I believe we see in the entire movie, um, which is cool. Like, I like that um, when we read Fear Street and Goosebumps as kids, it's all centered around the kids. And as we're reading those books, we're like putting ourselves in their shoes. Like, what would we do? Like Mm. kind of imagining what's going on in this book. Um, But, you know, that target audience for us was 
so that we're, we're the target audience now. Like, yeah, I'll be 28 <laughs> this year. Like, it's it's very interesting. Um, and I, you got you got to put yourself in the right mindset when you watch this movie. Um, but the the dialogue and also uh, just too many jump scares. Yeah, I th- I think the movie at a point like halfway through used way too many jump scares that for the rest half of the movie it was like this is really really poor and lazy mm-hmm. like you can use jump scares in the beginning of the movie for the mall scene because i like that and it's a slasher movie there should be some jump scares with the car- with the the villain popping out and and getting the upper hand on our characters but if that's your main scare technique for the entire movie i hate that that's poor i don't i don't like that at all yeah, I would also say like this movie is not scary. It's just gory. Gory for like 2 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like not a lot of gore. Um not a lot of kills either. Um the kills are spread out uh very much and mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just at some point I was like enough of the jump scares, enough of like the slow camera panning of like through a forest and just like a killer appears or just like just is just too much at some point and it shows me that's like we didn't know i'd rather there not be jump scares if you're not going to be scary right yeah if you're not Mm -hmm. do other things to scare people just have the killers be out there and make it a little more actiony a little more um comedy right like yeah i just i hate jump scares (laughs) i hate them yeah um yeah, I I liked it a lot because it didn't it didn't like slow down at all, and right. I have no idea what to expect either. Like I know we talked about, it and Jeremy Ford kind of teased it for us that it was gonna get you know bloody, but I still had trouble kind of believing that. I thought it was gonna play it safe more, so I think that initial just like oh wow no they're not playing around really got me. Yeah, th- again that um that Brett Slicer kill is awesome. And I think he alluded to that in our interview and was like, there's one kill where you're like, how did yeah. you do that? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it's that one um, <laughs> because I believe he said he wasn't on set for the second one. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he was, obviously was on set for the third one. And you know, the next one's going to be very much like Friday the 13th uh, summer camp. And then 1666 where we will apparently learn the, the origins of Sarah fear is going to be like Salem, witch trials type of horror, which is cool. Um, but yeah, overall, I liked the movie. Uh, the The dialogue and the insane amount of jump scares they had to cram into this movie, I think, are the two biggest flaws in it. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think I would go seven. Yeah, I was thinking like a 7.5 maybe. Like eight seems too generous, but also like I did really like it. I really enjoyed it, so... Maybe 7.5 on my end. I also, like, I feel like the expectations really played into me enjoying it. Just because, like, I mean, I watch everything on Netflix, but I don't think it's all quality. Like, a lot of it is just dumb teen stuff. So I kind of had that mindset going into it of, like, this is probably entertaining, but, like, there might be really stupid parts. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, I feel like if you're going to get a 7.5 out, you're either too scared to give it a seven or you don't want to give it an eight. <laughs> so exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's fair. The, my favorite thing about the movie was how unique it made the slasher genre in a sense, because it is a genre that's been played out mm-hmm. hundreds of times forever. Um, and 
I like that the main villain guy that you thought it was going to be was subverted and died in the in the opening scene. I like that there's multiple killers going on in this entire universe. I like that they're each going to get their backstory and they kind of get a little bit of backstory in this one. I yeah. like that it's a supernatural being possessing slashers, multiple in like an army. I thought was super awesome. Um, Dina is awesome. Josh is awesome. I like Kate. Simon pisses me off. Uh, and I think Sam could have just used better dialogue as a character. Um which is, like, yeah. I don't dislike Sam and I don't like not believe her motivations in the movie. I just, uh, it, it seems like she's very much dealing with like a lot at once in terms of like dealing with a shitty boyfriend and also her ex-girlfriend and also a witch possessing <laughs> her. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on for her and it's not her fault. Right. Like she doesn't, she's very much like cemented in the movie about like 40 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of backstory, which I think plays into like my gripe with it because this is the end of the timeline. Like we're yeah. going, we're going backwards from here. We're not getting any more explanation of Sam's backstory, like in terms of like her actual character and and her relationship with Dina. I would assume. Yeah. I think we need to do like big C Berman exposition in eighty seven, right? 78. 78. Close enough. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, 1666, these uh, kids were not thoughts. They were not <laughs> no. even their parents' thoughts at this point. They were probably not even their grandparents' thoughts at this point. So, um, yeah, that sucks. I wish her, her dialogue um, was a little bit better. Or maybe if they just even, like, kind of cut something out to give a little more backstory to Sam. Because we go through three major set pieces in terms of their, the hero's plan. You know, if we get the, mm-hmm. the, the graveyard, fixing it, tidying it up a little bit, <laughs> we get the school explosion and we get the supermarket uh, overdose. So I don't know, maybe, maybe cut out the graveyard, I guess. Yeah. I also feel like too, I mean, in the school, I mean, parts of it were entertaining, but it was also just like, that was unnecessary. <laughs> Yeah. Like, they didn't do anything for them. So, it's like, all right, we didn't really need that. But, whatever. Yeah, whatever. So, I'll, I'll give it a 7. Um, Natalie gives a 7.5. Overall, enjoyable. Uh, favorite kill, both of us. Bread Slicer, 100%. Yeah. Favorite character? I guess Dina, yeah. She's definitely the most um, developed. And, of course, Josh, too. Yep, I, I would agree with you there. Um and favorite villain so far? Who do you like at the? I think are we both in agreement, Ruby, or did you like someone more? Yeah, I do. I think Ruby Lane. Yeah, and I do like the axe guy because he looks scary. But of course, we don't really know anything about him. Yeah, he's definitely the scariest of the bunch. Um, yeah, and I don't know if we're going to get more Ruby Lane backstory because it's explained in the lore that. A little bit, yeah. That like Ruby was this singer who got possessed and she killed her boyfriend or husband, right? I believe. I think it was like her friends, like a couple of friends. Right. I think she went crazy and mm-hmm. it's, it's all played off in this like shady side nature that this stuff happens every couple of years where people just go crazy and it's just the nature of shady side being shady side. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, we're going to, we're definitely going to get backstory on the axe guy. And we're definitely going to get backstory on the priest 
who like cut out eyeballs or something. Mm-hmm. Right. And Sarah Fear. Right. And uh, Simon was very much freaked out about the, the priest guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was not happy with that drawing. Um and I love I love Josh's like it's always sunny, like connecting the dots. Yes, yes, yes. In his in his nerd cave, I guess is what they call it. Um also like him doing like the Konami code I thought was funny, which is like like the most famous like video game cheat code and I, he thought he had to do that to like I guess unlock talking to Kate, which I thought was uh-huh. really, I thought that was cute. I thought that was funny. Um, yeah, I, I hope we get more Josh in the next two movies. Agreed. He was a really good character for sure. Um, and yeah, that gets us uh, set for 1978, uh, which we will review next week. It comes out today. Uh, July 9th when you listen to this podcast so if you want to go listen to the movie and listen to our review next week go ahead and do that but of course the uh, excitement with the the next two movies um, is that not only are we getting a time trial but we're also getting some new characters we're getting Sadie Sink um, who everyone should know is Maxine uh, from Stranger Things Uh, she will I assume be the main character um, playing uh, someone named Constance Berman, who we assume is C. Berman. Um, and Jillian Jacobs plays the adult version who we met uh, in the teaser for this, um, who is the uh, voice actor for Adam Eve in Invincible, which is my favorite <laughs> show of the year so far. So, yeah, very exciting. Yeah, definitely. So everyone listening, let us know what you thought about um, this movie, if you would give it a similar score or if you loved it or if you hated it. Let us know. You can give us a good review on Apple Podcasts. You can also tweet at us. My Twitter handle is at Natalie Zamora with two A's at the end. And Max is at Odd Slice. And make sure you tune in next week when we talk about the next movie, 1978. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.